1: Hello, friends. It is Kirk Henderson, and I'm coming to you with a different guest tonight. I'm coming to you on an episode of Kirk, Your Enthusiasm. I'm joined by repeat guest Ben Collins of NBC News and former Mavs child reporter. How are you, Ben? Good. I'm an adult now, so things have changed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, let's just hop right into it, because as we were talking in the pre-show, I've been trying to get you on for about two weeks i wanted to bring you on during the 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 horrendous losing streak just because when when you lose games the way the mavericks were losing games for that stretch is you start to like reach pits of like desperation because the mavericks are like shouldn't be a losing team and it just provokes all sorts of irrational responses and you are really good at uh coming up with uh you know things that the Mavericks ought to try or trades or whatnot and and then it just didn't work out and then since then the Mavericks have sort of settled but all of the the underlying problems are are
2: still there so you know how do you how do you feel about this season so far you know I I think we're in a better situation than we were a couple weeks ago I think that a panic trade would have been a bad idea. We were clearly at the absolute bottom of how this team can play. Um, that was in part because of stuff that you've talked about conditioning, um, basic problems with how the, the team has never really played together until post-COVID. Um, you know, our third best player being Maxi Kleba, basic <laughs> basic issues like that. Um, so, but we're in a much better place now. The team sort of came around. Um, some players who. I think needed to realize that now that they're role players are now realizing that people like Dwight Powell. Um, Let's talk about that. What do you, so, so what do you mean by that? I like that take. I've not heard that before. Yeah. So, you know, like Dwight Powell specifically, I think when he came back, I think the team expected him to play like he played before his injury Mm. um, and slotted him back into a role where he was going to play 25 to 30 minutes a game. But now he has to, he has to earn minutes. He has to dive after loose balls. He has to do all the things that we thought I think Willie Collie stein would do. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he he is – I think maybe they've inverted roles, if anything. So, I think I think the team realizes they, have, they simply have to play harder, and they have to fight harder than other teams. It's, it's like it's a season in which everybody's trying to go deep into their bench, in part because it's a crammed-in season, and uh, other teams are also dealing with COVID restrictions. So you know it is really a lot of the time the team that plays harder, and uh, you can see that you could you could see how badly we were playing in our rebounding rate and our turnover rate, and we need to like we 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 simply have been playing better the last six games. So um, I I am glad that we that we wrote it out. However, we as Kirk, I think we both agree this team is not really going anywhere. Needs to make a move, and I think we can now we can start really considering it now that we're not at the bottom of the barrel. Well, I've been having a real hard time with this
1: because I am the kind of person to generally scoff at things that are outliers. So when Chris Afrozingas finally had a good game against Minnesota, I, was, I, it took me, like, I, I did everything I could to not say who fucking cares because right. Minnesota was a G League team. In retrospect, I'm wondering if all of us, including the Mavericks, really, really, really overrated their 16 and 6 start to the 2019 and 20 season. Because everything that has happened since that start is feels like trying to get back to that moment. And I'm I'm to the point now and wondering if you know what if it was just a little bit of an outlier, like series of outliers coming together at once, like like Dorian Finney-Smith opened that season starting like forty percent and and from three, and you know Chris Apps didn't play that great, but he was good defensively. Luca was obviously out of his mind, and they had a little bit of a soft schedule in retrospect, and and I'm wondering if that really did. I don't want to say harm to expectations, but it's like trying to get back to, to a hot streak, you know, at a craps table. And you just can't make that happen.
2: Yeah, well, well several things happen. First of all, as you know, we shot historically well. Um, Tim Hardaway had a bounce back year. I, I, I think last year was closer to an aberration than this year is. Mm-hmm. He, he's, getting, he's rounding back, back into form, obviously. But Dodo, for example, I, I think maybe also that th- this is the other thing. Um, we're scouted better. You know, Dodo's not in the corner getting open threes as much. Um, there's, you know, Seth Curry isn't there to uh, space the floor quite as, quite as well. Right. So I think we're in a different spot with, with how this team works and operates And in Max, hasn't been the same guy, you know, especially since he came back from COVID, he is a different basketball player. He's sort of groundbound. bound. Um, you've, you've mentioned this before, but he doesn't look, he still doesn't look like he has his win back. Um, we we had a maybe last year was the perfect storm with this cast of characters right and uh-huh. r- relying on them to come back and be relatively the same you know m- maybe that maybe we shouldn't have been expecting that and that's kind of why you know that's why this feels so
1: strange you know by the time this publishes tomorrow and by the time many people will listen to this on the site i had our our Slovenian correspondent Istak, uh put up a he wrote like a two thousand word missive on what he is seeing in the data and in the tape in terms of what's wrong with the Mavericks defense because the offense I think has finally kind of figured some stuff out there was positive regression coming for a number of players paired with you know like KP has had an outstanding shooting month and that really helped just a little bit um you know obviously Luke is playing much better in offense but the defense has been bottom three since um since KP's first game back following the Denver game when the Mavs won in Denver in overtime. Since that game they've been a bottom three defense. And there's just I mean there's a lot of reasons for it. I I, I will so so I, I'm I'm thinking about that right now as we're talking because what had happened last year you know the Mavericks were in a lot of drop coverage and Chris Stapp's, Porzingis cleaned up a lot of messes uh, because yeah. the Mavericks didn't have good defense, uh, uh, front. Uh, what do you want to call it? Like f- uh guard and wing defenders. Now they, yeah, still right. don't. they still don't have those things. And Porzingis is moving like he, he has been
2: stabbed in the leg. Yeah. I, I think that um, maybe we are cursed by the expectations of this team in, in this way mm-hmm. where, I think we anticipated Josh Richardson would lock down, uh, you know, good guards. But at the end of the day, you know, last game, Dorian Fanny Smith was the guy covering Damian Lillard, which is nuts It didn't work. I don't understand it. I I never understood that. So I, I think we thought we were getting this like very highly rated, maybe second team, all defense perimeter defender. And at the end of the day, he's really, he's not, he's not guarding the best guard in the other team. And um, because of that, you know, last year we didn't have high expectations for this defense. It was the defense was bad, and we knew it. And I think we took what we could get, and we schemed better. There was a lot more zone. There was a lot of more like trickeration from Rick. And th- this time, like we are pretending as if we have good individual defenders all year. And I think yeah. I think we were sold that, right? We were sold. Maybe Josh Green would play some minutes. Maybe James Johnson would change the tone. Uh, maybe Willie Collins would play more. But the truth is, the team is. It, if anything, I think from a personnel standpoint, it's about the same as last year, and the co- the cohesion on the defense is horrific. It's like I don't they still don't really know what they're doing on switches on good guards. Um, it's just very messy right now, so um I, I think that's it. they have the, they have the championship belt thing this year, right? I think they really anticipated this being part of their identity, and it's not, and because of that, I think it's dragging the team down.
1: Yeah, and I'm almost wondering if if there's an extent of like trying to get through February, trying to get to All Star break. You know, they're in the middle mm-hmm. part of part of why you and I opted to record this podcast right now is frankly the the Detroit Pistons game got um, pushed to a later date because of these you know really frightening blackouts and winter events happening in the south, and you know this will be like the longest break that the Mavericks have had since before basketball started, um, and and. and it makes me wonder if you know what they really need is some some time off, some time to figure some things out because without any practice time, you're running into this additional problem uh that that compounds their already obvious mistakes. Like there was a there was a uh, Damien Lillard dunk in the Portland game where Richardson lost it at Porzingis for not talking. And right. this the, the communication issues on this team. Frankly, the communication issues going back to you know essentially like 2014, 2015, like the Mavericks have never been, it's been really rough since Tyson Chandler left where nobody talks on defense. It's, it's unbelievably painful. Then you pair that with the, with a couple of guys like Tim Hardaway jr. Who doesn't even seem to understand the fundamentals of what he's supposed to do in a defensive scheme. And it's just like all these things keep adding up and it really, really, really looks awful. And it's not, you know, thank goodness the offense is fun because as Josh, Uh, Bo pointed out online today, like the Mavericks could be like eight games under 500 if their offense wasn't absolutely like cooking other teams. So it's, it's, it's just, I don't really know where to start other than the fact that I hope that they get some time off and that they can kind of reassess. I I think that, that COVID, you know, Jason Tatum talked today to or last night, I think to to somebody and, and gave quotes about how he just doesn't feel right. And it's not in a way that he can put his finger on other than he's getting tired. And you can see that with Maxi more than any of the other players. And Maxie's just such a linchpin. You know, the way uh, Carmelo Anthony just destroyed him to end the first half against Portland on Sunday was very, like, that's not a thing Maxi allows. Like, I, don't, I think his, his hops are leaving him to a respect because he's almost 30. But his defensive instincts aren't going anywhere. You know his foot speed is is way too slow. It's really kind of uncomfortable. I, I, I and and you, you just gotta wonder if if it's just a time thing where these guys need to get right at the correct time. But the flip side of that for me is I feel like Luca is carrying them to the point of burnout.
2: Oh, oh, certainly. I think with Maxi too, um, you saw him against Zion where last year Maxi pretty much dominated Zion defensively. He he was step for step for him on the perimeter and he bought him up in the post. And this year, Zion started 10-for-10 10 10 against him. It was really – it was a difficult game to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear this from other – like Russell Westbrook, same thing. When he came back from COVID, he said – he like, you know, he, he had symptomatic COVID, and he still says he's not the same. You can see it. He is, like, airballing free throws by three feet. He has – it's a guy who's raw athleticism, comes back, and he's at 80%, and he can't play anymore. Right. So – Um, I I do think that there's something there with that. And we, we probably for a good reason, we don't really know who had COVID and who didn't, we know Maxie had a bad, but that's, you know, that is a dramatic difference. Uh, In terms of the all-star break, you know, KP does really well in these moments where he comes back a little bit and then gets some time off and then really comes back. Uh, That's what happened last year. Um, He was, you know, very good after the all-star break. Yep. Yeah. Not not def- not necessarily defensively, but he was doing that like, you know, uh range from the logo style three point shooting. And his, you know, his lateral quickness is just a little bit better. He he was uh he was useful as a secondary option in the second half of the season last year, whereas we didn't have that previously. So look, I think I think this team the ceiling for this team is a lot higher than they're showing. I do think that we're like there are just some fatal flaws to this team. And I think the, you know, one of the big ones is, and I generally think you can work around this as a basketball team, but I don't think this team with this personnel can, I think we have a huge rebounding problem. I just mm-hmm. do. um, You know, I'm looking at, look, I'm right now. I'm looking at um rebound rate, which is like the percentage of rebounds that are available. So usually it's around like 50, 50, right? Right. This year we are, we are third from last and we would be, <laughs> <laughs> near historically bad. It's really bad. Uh, I mean, there are three bad teams this year uh with this bad rebounding rate. It's you know it's it's us and Golden State and uh the the, the Minnesota, but these are just bad teams at the bottom of this list it's just it's just bad teams. We are at, like re- our rebounding rate in the last three games is 44%. The next team is 45.7%. That's New Orleans. Um That's horrible. That's very bad. (laughs) Boston gets almost 60% of the the available rebounds, right? Right. So that is a, that's a, that's a scheme thing, right? I know there's a lot of talk about people trying to let Luca get rebounds and then those rebounds go unaccounted for. Um, And I don't know if that's actually true. I can tell you right now we have to do something about it. Like, I don't know what it is. Is it a personnel thing? Is it a trade thing? But there are several shifts we need to make over the all-star break. Right. Well... That's probably, so, so before we pivot
1: to that, before we pivot to kind of solutions to, to the, the Mavericks problems, what have you, what have you liked from what you've seen so far this year?
2: Um, I think Luca is better in every way. I really, <laughs> I really do. Uh, and I think it's being hidden by the fact that the team that he has to do so much more. He's a much better defender than he was. Um, three point shooting is coming around recently. Uh, you know, I think he took a leap again and I don't, I don't think it's visible. I think that's kind of unfair to him. Um, And I'm not like a, I am a Lucas fan. I'm a psychopath. I understand. But I, I do think that he has gotten significantly better and tougher and more physical and done all the things that you would, that you would expect him to do. Um, And I've seen some moments too with this theme where I'm like, okay, I, I get it. Um, when Josh Richardson does that weird janky floater thing, when, um, when when KP really has it going from three and you can just run him into weird pick and rolls and have him shoot, you know, 35 footers, great. I, I think this team, like, you can see what they were going for. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a lot of good here. What, what is the thing that you see that you're like, oh, maybe there's something else here? Well, before I answer that, I needed to read you the stat because Michael Pena...
1: Uh, wrote, where did he write this for? He wrote this for SI.com today. He was doing his all-star kind of ballot and, and who, where he has started. So Luka, this is an incredible stat. Luka Doncic is averaging more points off of drives than any player in recorded history since they've been tracking drives. this season That makes sense. <laughs> this season, he's averaging 14.4 points off of drives. I mean, just incredible stuff going on there. Um, I, I think the thing that that to answer your question, I think the thing that I'm most pleased about, and this is going to kill people who listen to the podcast because I've just I've I've ragged on him, but I've walked it back some I, I really enjoy the role they found for Jalen Brunson. I will start by saying I don't like it when Jalen Brunson gets to play Luka Doncic light. I, I think it, it it he dribbles too much and he's not a good enough passer. When Luka Doncic is the shooting, or I'm sorry, when, when Jalen Brunson is the shooting guard, the Mavericks are lethal. That guy is crushing teams. And that's been a lot of fun to watch, uh, in terms of, you know, his driving, his mid range shooting, you know, his, his, his basically they, they put him in a position to make a couple of choices uh, of decisions, you know, dribble, shooter, pass. It's not run the offense, run the plays. And he's just been crushing teams and I've really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah. He's, uh, he has a new level off the dribble, I think. Um, and like, he is he still 50, 40, 90? Is he still up there? I think he's
1: 50, 40, 90. And I think, in terms of like on the pick and roll, I saw I saw um, Bob Sturm tweet this a couple days ago, or maybe it was Jake Kemp. I think he's he's the league leader in points per possession off of pick and rolls. Like something absurd, like one point three five points on pick and rolls, because that's how effective he has been. He doesn't run a ton of them, but he runs enough, and he's been just you know absolutely, uh, absolutely thrashing teams. So it's a, that's that's probably the thing that I'm that I've liked the most, and I've been the most surprised about because like by game four, when he was having all these live ball
2: turnovers, I was ready to like trade him for anything. Yeah, I, I was in the same boat because I was like, is it really worth getting killed defensively? Him getting picked on defensively. Um, mm-hmm. but it is now it absolutely is. There's no question. Um, you know, I, I think he's, I think more minutes, that's, that's the thing they could do in the second half more minutes right. with him alongside Luca, I think would be beneficial. Uh, Cause you, then you can start doing those things. Everyone keeps saying we got to get Luca moving off the ball. The only way to do that is with Jalen, what on the floor. So I think that's, I think that's the next step for this offense.
1: Well, I, I agree. And, and I'm not, I'm not sure what they do, because if you've noticed their rotation the last, basically during the win streak, and, and really during the tail end of the losing streak, Carlisle basically went down to like seven and a half guys. And that's that leads us to to what I think, you know, may be some potential solutions in that this team was built a certain way. It's not working as is due to some reasons which are outside their control. But then there's also a number of players on the roster who simply do not fit the vision. Um, James Johnson was brought back in a, uh, you know, essentially a salary swap and he's an expiring contract. And, and he was just to put it kindly, he was remarkably bad in every single way outside of a few early bright spots. Like the man's plus minus when, when he was in some games during the losing streak, he would go in and the Mavs would get down like 25. It was kind of remarkable. So I, I think that the, the next step that all Mavs fans eyes are turned towards is what can they do before the trade deadline? And I think understanding you with some of the things you send me in the dead of the night, whenever you're heated about whatever's going on with the Mavs, I think you have some potential ideas on what they could, on what they could do that's honestly within the realm of reason. So, so what, do you, what do you think some of the solutions are?
2: Okay, Kirk. I hate to do this to you. I think one of the answers is Andre Drummond. Uh, please don't <laughs> hurt me. Uh, uh, when I always I, I want to tell everyone this. When I sent this to Kirk, he was like, "Oh, the QAnon people have gotten to you, haven't they? And like, the answer is yes. The QAnon people. have got, This is like the QAnon of the Dallas Mavericks universe. That Andre Drummond's suddenly going to fix all of our problems. I I don't think that I, I am not. I am new to the Andre Drummond bandwagon. I do think you run the risk of. Luca going into a paint that's filled with a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing down there. And Kirk, I think you, you will make a very good case for that. When I watch him play, I think his offensive awareness is kind of crappy. He's not outstanding down there. However, I do think he, he is a one-stop shop for fixing the rebounding problem we have. Um, And I think we're leaving a lot of points on the table from that. Um, You know, if we go from getting 44% of our rebounds to getting 49% of our rebounds, um, that's, That is not a small number of points a game you can get off of that, especially with offensive rebounding, which we don't do anymore. Last year, we had Dorian Finney-Smith crashing boards. We had people who cared on the offensive boards. Dwight Powell used to care on the offensive boards. He wasn't great at putbacks, but he would try. Yeah. We don't have anything like that now. We really don't. So there's no second shot opportunities in this team at all. He would provide some. And then, you know, hypothetically, and Kirk, I know you're going to say this, that he's not actually a good defender – he, you're right. <laughs> he's not a good defender, but he has. He really could be. I know he's like 28 he can or something. He be. He, but he has can be. been in spots. And yeah.
1: Okay. I, I broke down and basically framed the argument as such. The The argument for four hundred Drummond is this. He's never played with a real guard. He's probably been the most talented player on every team he's been on in the NBA. And that is a problem. He's a very capable rebounder, and he's also a very good defender when he chooses to be. That chooses to be is something that doesn't always happen, and as a result, he tends to stat chase. Now, the argument against it is that this man, as a, as a 27-year-old, 28-year-old, has unbelievably bad habits. I have followed him since he was like before UConn. At UConn, he was a waste of space. He was not good. He fell in the lottery entry. Re- he he was in the lottery anyways because he's so talented, and then in the NBA he's proceeded to to go on uh, their eventual podcast guest. So Pondab uh, of the New York Times insists that he is a. Hall of Famer which he definitively is not. I don't no, care about I don't care about counting stats, but he still has gotten an unbelievable number of rebounds. Yeah. Um the, the other thing that's surprising about him is that he's shockingly bad in the restricted area. He is not a good finisher. So right. the idea I'm not entirely sold on the idea of oh, he'll just become a good role man with Luca. No, being a role man is hard. I used to have to do it. I was terrible at it and I never got better. It's it's something that Dwight Powell was kind of underrated about. But The Luka Doncic effect is a real thing. So I think to a certain extent, if there is a deal to be done that doesn't cost Dallas anything other than like a salary swap and a nonsense second rounder in like the year 2065, I I don't, I'm no longer against it
2: because the team as constructed is not working. I. I, That's exactly how I feel. And I do think that's basically the price. I think I think if somebody goes to them with an expiring contract in a, in a second rounder and will eat the rest of the salary, I think they'll basically take it because uh, otherwise they're just going to buy them out and we'll go to Brooklyn. Um, so I think it's worth the shot. Um, and like, there are more elaborate deals that I'm into. I think you can make, you can call Boston and see what Kemba and smart are worth right now. I think there are teams willing to move off of bad deals and package good talent with it. And, you know, I, I think it's worth kicking the tires on Zach Levine and seeing if that's really part of their future. Cause the guy took the leap and he puts us into legitimate title territory, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know if we have the assets for that. I'm just, I'm just saying hypothetically, that's the kind of guy who would work. However, um, if you want to do something low grade right now, that could really help, especially in the regular season. I think Drummond is the guy and he like, he guess he has shot in the arm. Like you need, you need some hope, um, especially with a team that lost six games. I know it won four in a row, but, you know, you need some hope when you're hanging around the, the the seven to 10 region in the Western Conference. And he gives you that. He gives you a chance, I think. So that's, that's my goal with this. I think like, if there are people, there are Mavericks fans who have won an underdog on this team for two years for the wrong reasons. If you have him come in and play 25 minutes a game and get like nine or 10 rebounds, it could be really good, and that's that's where I'm at with this. Do you have any better ideas than this? Is there anything else, anybody else available that you even want? I
1: I saw a very interesting idea, which gets into kind of the bigger discussion about perhaps the Mavericks should consider trading for Blake Griffin, in the sense of they would then have another huge salary to just sort of have and be over the cap because. You know uh, the Mavericks' plans for the last two off seasons have been objectively bad. Outside right. of si- of outside of signing KP, the plans have been bad. They haven't worked. I have taken endless amounts of heat from this from casuals. Unfortunately, everyone, I'm sorry. Once again, I'm right. The off seasons have been not as good as they could have been, and so and we're heading into a 2021 off season where they're like the best free agent available is. I mean, like, maybe Kawhi Leonard, if he's available, which I don't think he actually will be, you know, then it's like Mike Conley. Like, it gets weird in a hurry. So the theory was, and I can't remember who, who shared this, I think, it was, uh, I think it was this guy at Blake Stakes, um, and he, he, he kind of described it in like a, cap, like a cap mechanic move where you go over the cap and you kind of are operating from this position of, okay, maybe you can move him later with a future first um, in order to get a potential grumpy superstar, which I, I just I don't really like it, but it, it it's the it's the idea of playing above the 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 salary cap line, which I'm not a cap expert, but I, I like the I like kind of the outside the box thinking because where Dallas has gone for close to a decade now is assuming that their salary cap space has any value, and it
2: just doesn't. Kirk, it, all the <laughs> all the OG Bass fans will remember the Dust Chip. And I'm, I think that that's what that is, right? Or it's, you know, it's a variation of that to an who extent. Was, uh, who was it? Which was, was, the, Eric, the, guy... which was the Eric Dampier uh, expiring that turned into a million dollars or something like that. And that who,
1: true? was it Donnie Nelson who sold it or was it the cap guy at DallasBasketball.com? I was that? both,
2: they, you know, you know that whole deal. It's, it's like, like a like cyclical tandem. self-feeding bullshit you know,
1: <laughs> where these people make our fans believe something is possible that is not even on the agenda. And I'm sorry, I have friends that write at that site. I enjoy those the immensely. But it's just, I've been sold enough to where I'm not sure what could really happen with these potential deals because I've never really been good at stuff. I'm wondering, you know, they they have all this space and, and it's becoming more and more evident that a guy like Tim Hardaway who half the fan base wants to shoot into the sun is going to probably be a fairly... It's gonna. They're gonna want to retain him because of yeah. how he plays in this offense, and that's you know it's kind of embarrassing with what their plans were. Um yeah. they, they should have done a lot more. Uh, they they should have pursued bo- uh, the the Utah Bogdanovich. They they should have done something. And I don't know what they do to get out of this because the KP thing, which we've really not talked about at all, and that's okay. The KP thing was a good idea that to date has shown mixed results at best with unbelievable highs and absolutely gut stabbing lows.
2: Yeah. That, that's every franchise does that KP trade. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you should,
0: I agree. They it would they be, would have been the
2: right call. practice for them to say no. Yeah, exactly. You do it just to see what happens. Um, and that's the other thing. If you want, you can get off of KP right now easily. There's no question. You, you can call a bunch of teams and they will find a way to make KP work in their roster. So, that, I, I wouldn't worry about that. You know how badly Boston would want KP. Are you kidding me? Um, I mean, I'm so there, for there are... KP for either one of their wings. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. <laughs> Let's roll. Uh, um, but yeah, that, I, I, look, we are in a place where this team could hypothetically get worse next year, and I, I don't love that. Um, yeah, it, it's because we've locked ourselves into a corner because we didn't do enough last offseason. Uh-huh. Um, and we are going to be one of several bidders for very mid-tier free agents next year. So I actually don't mind that idea. But th- th- I want to get back to the dust chip really quickly because <laughs> I just want to walk through what happened with that. So they traded that for Tyson Chandler because they wanted another dust chip. They wanted another year of a guy who was fine, who could play in the rotation, but was a max contract. And they could get him, they could tie them over to go for Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. And it turns out they won a championship with Tyson Chandler. And it they turned out to, to be the it. missing piece, right? He turned, out, and we didn't know that at the time. So, there were, the moral of the story here is, you know, like keeping cap space open or try, trying to constantly open up cap space is never it's never worthwhile. Always try to get actual physical assets. So, if you can get a couple of picks or you know, Killian Hayes or uh, uh, Sekou Duboya or something out of Detroit. For Blake Griffin, and you can get off of Powell's contract or something. It, it might be worth it. That's yeah. that's all I'm saying. Is like that was, that get, was get what the actual assets. Was. Yeah, that, that, get and, actual and assets. There,
1: there's just and it's it's a little. At a certain point, we're just going to have to have a little bit of a realization discussion. And you have these people, you have the vultures that circle about. Uh, what does this mean for Luca, guys? If Luca turns down a 200 million dollar extension, which is what he's eligible for right now. Um, because he already made NBA first team and he's going to be an all-star again, which two all-star makes in your rookie year or in your rookie contract qualifies you for. No, two all-star starting positions qualifies you for it per some per basically the the rules that I found. But it's just it's it's so rare that people forget that these are the rules. And so Luca's not going to turn down two hundred million dollars. Bill Duffy's not going to let him turn down two million dollars. Um it, it, he's here with us for you know 2023 to 2025 if things get a little funky, uh, maybe not 2023. It's wrong with me? Like 2024 to 2026. That's kind of that's kind of the range I guess for this if if I'm doing my math right. Um, and so it, it, they have some time, and they they may need to take a step back to take to take a step forward again. Uh, the, the the challenging part is ascertaining sort of what the assets that they do have are and that's where you know this draft is still kind of it's up in the air um josh green has returned you know negative value at this point um but the other the other three rookies that they had are doing some interesting stuff in the g league which means to me more than anything else And this includes josh green all we really need to do is hope and be patient that's one of these guys or two of these guys pan out into something um and then we can kind of go from there i i I do think that they end up making the playoffs. You know, playing the the Mavericks in a play-in tournament would be horrifying, in my opinion, because of just how. Um, I mean, would you want to play Luka Doncic in a do-or-die game? Yeah, yeah.
2: They're they're going to make. The, I think they're going to be in contention to get up to the sixth seed. I think they're going to go on a run. I think all that happens, um, whether we make a trade or not. I think you know the team. Luke is simply too good, and these other teams are going to dip off. Uh, you know, when it's like when push comes to shove teams like the Spurs uh, that have sort of played above their weight. Um, I don't think they're hanging around. Well, they, uh, they've all, like,
1: they've had four COVID tests today and you hate to be this right. dark, but you saw, or you, you, you saw what happened to the Mavericks when four rotation guys go down. the The Spurs will likely get to play some of those games again down the road, which is what didn't get to happen for Dallas. But, you just see the way it, it affects your rotation in ways that are hard to describe. Where you know the defensive metrics for all the players who had it fell off a cliff. Um, yeah, and it,
2: especially like especially with the Spurs, for example, mm-hmm. who they have older players and they're heavily reliant on how good their defense and schemes are and energy is. Yeah, uh, and when you have COVID, it's not gonna. It just doesn't work out that way. It's just like it's really. It's unfortunate, but it's true. So I, I think that you know I hate to say this. Badgers in a pretty good position. They've already had their, I largely had a really bad outbreak. And I don't think it's going to be that dark again for the rest of the year. I think they're going to be around the six, seven spot for the rest of the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm hopeful.
1: I'm really hopeful at this point because I think if they can get to 500 or just five, above, like within 500 by the break, then they, they're poised for a very interesting second half. So. Well, this is, this, you know, as usual, I keep you longer than I meant to. Is there, is there anything else, any ridiculous, any, you know, takes that you want to get out into the wild, um, to the, you know, the the X number of people who actually listen to this podcast?
2: <laughs> I don't think so, Kirk. I think, <clears throat> I think we nailed it. Um, I do too. Let's, let's bring Andre Drummond. Come on, come on, buddy. Come on down. <laughs> All right, guys, this has
1: been, uh, Kirk Henderson and Ben Collins. This has been uh, my first, uh, Episode of of Kirk your enthusiasm. I I will try to do these in season guys, but when there's a then there's four games a week, I don't have any life. I need to move back to the Midwest. (laughs) I like I am going to die at this pace. Um, which for some people, I'm sure, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, uh, But again, Ben, thanks for joining me. And, you know, guys, remember to rate and subscribe, those sorts of things. I don't talk about it as much on our podcast, but those sorts of things really help us. Uh, We've grown our audience, which is shocking to me. And it's because of uh, you people out in the world sharing our uh, wonderful podcast. So this has been Kirk and Ben, and we will uh, talk to you later on.